Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social and economic renewal in our immediate communities and as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. This is our series, Make It Count. Your life matters. I'm here to tell someone, your life matters. Make it count. The purpose of life is not to safely arrive at death. John Maxwell said, some people died long ago. It's just the funeral that is being postponed. Because whereas they live and their lungs work and there is breath going out of their nostrils, they don't have purpose. On the other hand, some people have lent their lives and talents to purposes that are temporal. Temporal. Can you imagine? Jesus, Jesus, this is Jesus. He said that there is no marriage in heaven. So even marriage, wonderful as it is, is a temporal purpose. So for those who are not married, don't feel like your life like you must nowadays people do crazy things to get a spouse or a temporary spouse or a hired spouse or a, a standing spouse you don't need to Jesus was not married Paul the apostle was not married among many other popular people Condoleezza Rice former Secretary of State of the United States of America is not married but her name will go down in the history book. Some people have like many kids but no one will remember them after 100 years. Have I started badly? I've started well. I keep going. Yeah. I want to make sure people don't start leaving. The, Living L E A V, okay, because this is living now, okay. Please, people, your life matters, and there is one singular purpose that you can lend your life to that is eternal, that is the mission of Jesus Christ the mission of Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior and I've wrapped it up into three areas one is win the lost through evangelism share the gospel worship harvest you're doing well it's just begun amen our vision we, we our strategy we have mission communities our strategy is one our vision is to plant a thousand churches by 2040 and we are well on our way there yeah 18 down 982 to go and there are about 200 people here in the studio that's like 500 churches some people are just going to be pastoring too uh, just to speed up amen <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Julia will not say anything, but I'm saying 
<laughs> yeah, you can just start a church for only children. So, our strategy, plant a thousand churches. And the purpose for our churches or locations is to equip and deploy missional communities. Because the missional communities are what gets the work done. Can I tell you something very important? Worship Harvest has about 5,200 people, members. Of those, about 4,100 are in missional communities. Meaning that if you are not in a missional community, you are a minority. You are one of the very few people who don't know what's happening. Yeah, because there are three kinds of people. Those who make things happen. Those who watch things happening. And those who don't know what's happening. So the whole point of planting, so we want, we try and deploy a missional community for every 30 people, members in worship harvest. And the point of it all is that these missional communities go out to frontiers once a month. That's one side. Our, our gospel is double-edged. One is the hands of Jesus, frontiers, helping people walking with people in their pain, lack, challenges. It is The other side is evangelism. So frontiers are once a month. We call it triple one. One frontier once a month. On the other side, there is another triple one. One salvation once a week. So the idea is every missional community to get one person into the kingdom, at least one together, like 30 of you, to be praying, fasting, and sharing, and ganging up on one person to get saved. It's not too much. Right? And when that day comes, and there are 50,000 missional communities, which is coming soon, you will be having 50,000 salvations a week. That's 2.5 million a, a, a year for those who struggle with mathematics. Actually, to be more exact, 2.6 million. But I've left out some rest month, what? 2.5 million observations a year. That's the ultimate target. Yeah. Amen. There are people called believers they believe the things I'm saying to be true. Hey! It shall happen. This gospel shall be preached to all the nations. Then the end shall come. So one is win the lost through evangelism. How do you evangelize? You share your story. You just share your Jesus story. That's all. This is what, where I was when Jesus found me. This is where I am. He can get you moving too. 
That's one. Two, you disciple the found. Discipleship. Evangelism without discipleship is like going to the hospital to have kids and you keep leaving them there. And then you keep producing and leaving them there. And keep producing and leaving them there. It doesn't work. You bring the children home and you feed them and you care for them and you wipe you, them and you, 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 you change their nappies. Yeah, people who are newly saved, sometimes they don't know that there are certain things they are not supposed to do. That's why many of you don't want to invite them to your MCs which are too sanctified and sanctimonious. You need some new believers yeah, to bring a dose of reality to a missional community. Amen. And, and then we don't end there. You send the discipled into Jesus' mission field and the most effective way to send people out is to send them to plant churches. In a sense, I feel like all our missional communities are churches. But the church is at different levels. There is the church, the body of Christ, globally. Then there is the church you belong to, like worship harvest. Then there is a location as part of worship harvest. Then there is a, a missional community. And then there is you. All those are levels of church. Am I making sense? And so, uh, where, that's why you say church begins on Monday. So don't, don't wait to first become many before you start behaving like Christ. Right there in your office, on the road, that's why you, uh, you need to keep it in your mind that we keep left in Uganda. Yeah, and that when there is traffic, you are not an exception. You stay in the lane. Yeah, some of us are perpetually in a hurry, but we still stay in the lane. So I don't want to see cars with C-bomb being the ones creating extra lanes. So you send a disciple through church planting and then you support all the above. Amen? Now, today I want to share with you seven reasons why you should plant churches. <laughs> yes. I have very many, but I'm going to stick to seven. My deep, deep suspicion is we will not get through the seven today. So, uh, wherever we end, I will reserve the rest for next Sunday. Is that, is that fair? Yeah. Because I may come back next Sunday when I've added more seven reasons. Yeah. Amen. The wisdom of church planting. Seven reasons for those who are taking notes or recording or watching. Seven reasons why you, tell your neighbor you, not someone else. You see, when I pre talk about planting churches, people immediately have their imaginations about who I'm talking to other than the person seated in your chair. You're, you're the one, you're the one, brother. You're the one I'm talking to, sister. You're the one. You, you, you. It is, it's not seven reasons why your neighbor should plant churches. No, 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 no. It is seven reasons. Come on, people. Why you... Say me. Say I. 
should plant churches. Wow. Seven reasons why you should plant churches. Let me, let me tell you a story. One time, I went to an event. I'll not tell you where the event was. But I went to an event. Having been in this church thing for about 12 years at the time, I went to an event where there were many people who were invited to an event, a good Christian event. We were celebrating something, some achievement somewhere for another ministry. And there were many people there. And many of these were in our days before we planted this church, they were the spiritual demagogues. They were the men and women. They were the people we wanted to be like when we grow up. Yeah, those, those were the, they were the datum. Hmm? Huh? What's that thing they use in surveying? The, the base, the baseline. They were the baseline for Christianity. They were the people when you're, you're thinking, I'm going to get married. You're thinking, when I'm looking for a girl to marry, they need to behave a little bit like one of those ladies. Or if you're looking for a guy to marry, they need to be behaving a little bit like one of those gentlemen. Are uh, you with me? So I went to this event and found these demagogues. Huh? You see, something happens to you when you don't see someone for 12 years. And then you see them 12 years later. And maybe they're also seeing you 12 years later. And they are seeing all the changes that have happened to you. Your visage. Your... Your... Your former six-pack. You, 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 you. <laughs> you got what I'm saying? Yeah. And... I looked at all these people eh? and they were still church goers. Faithful church goers whose you know when people are reduced to serve on this committee lead the ushers be on this team that does this thing once in a long while and I thought about these people and I started reflecting about myself and Ari and all the other people who were junior and less serious and less spiritual than these people and at that time when I started thinking about people like Jeremy and B3 pastors, not leading one church, but being overseers over many churches. Think about Doctors Emmanuel, uh, Doctor Emmanuel, and, and I think Angela is going to get a doctorate. Doctors Emmanuel and Angela Kuro, not just being pastors, but overseers. Chris and Lynette Subka, pastors being overseers and I'm thinking you know when you're looking at people and they're like you, God starts showing you 
that one would be overseeing 10 churches by now. That, no, wait, 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 wait. wait. <laughs> She's an eager listener. Yes, yes. But I'm saying when you're seeing a person and in your mind you're seeing what could have been. That the, this person would by now be overseeing 10 churches, maybe with 5,000 people. This person would be overseeing X number of churches. You know when you put like 10 senior, super good, wonderful couples together and you're thinking between them they should be overseeing about 100 churches. Probably leading about 10, 20, 50,000 people to the Lord every year. And what are they doing? They are simply faithful attenders of the same church for many years. I was heartbroken. I determined that that shall not happen in this church. Yeah. Yeah, you join worship harvest, you have already signed up for greatness. We are going to force it upon you. Yeah. Eternal significance. It's, uh, look, one day you're going to die like real death. Forget, no faking it. And you lie in a box made of wood. And that will be it. Yeah, that's it. That will be it. It's so final. At that point, and then back at your workplace, they will clear out your office for the next occupant. Hmm. Uh, am, I, am I talking? Yeah. Quickly. Quickly. You die on Thursday, by Monday, your office is occupied. Yeah. Your Facebook account is closed. Your email is shut down. Everything. And depending at the age at which you die, your spouse is probably thinking of remarrying. <laughs> it's not worth it. This chasing this life it's not worth it yeah all this stuff God gives us and the Bible says it gives it to us to enjoy careers husbands wives children money cars houses it's all for one purpose to bring people to the knowledge of Jesus disciple them into his likeness and deploy them to bring more people to the knowledge of Jesus I'm telling you. Seven reasons why you should plant churches. One, it's what Jesus is doing. Yeah. Yeah, it's what Jesus is doing. Matthew 16, 8. Let's read together. He says, I also said to you, uh -huh, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of heads will, shall not prevail against it. When Jesus, Jesus' job description 
which he gave himself is church builder. So if you want to be more like Jesus, uh, I hope the people online are a little happier than the people in the studio. You're happy. You're just having struggles showing it. What Jesus is doing is right now, what is Jesus doing? Building his church. Yeah. That's what he does. Now, contrary to some unbiblical wisdom, Jesus does not build his church without us. Everything that Jesus does on earth, he does it through as his body. So if Jesus is healing the sick, how does he do it? Through people. If Jesus is taking care of widows, how does he do it? Through people. If Jesus is the father of the fatherless, how does he do it? Through us. You think he can be the father of the fatherless without people being involved? No. He does it through people. Jesus pays school fees through people. He spends time with the lonely through people. That's why he said, go to... Oh. He's, he visit, how does Jesus visit the prisoners? Through people who go to visit the prisoners. Jesus doesn't walk through the prison. There, there, what? No, it's people who have to seek permission to go to the prison to see prisoners. That's how Jesus visits the prisoners. So some people who think they are clever but they actually not they think that now when it comes to Jesus building his church it is him to do it and we shouldn't be involved people say Jesus said he would build his church David tell us pastors your role is to love your wife Jesus will build his church So I, Kapia, uh, that's old. It's been around, especially from people whose ministries are not going anywhere. Yeah, no impact. It is what Jesus is doing. Amen. It is a good work. Acts nine three to five. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus. They are talking about Paul. And suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. I don't hear you. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the gods. Now let me ask you, was Saul going to heaven and persecuting Jesus from there? Who was Saul persecuting? The church, the body of Christ. And Jesus didn't say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting my body? It's a bit like if I started, if I pinched Ari on the hand, she doesn't say, don't pinch my hand. What does she say? Don't pinch me because her body is not a, a separate entity from herself. She doesn't say, Don't pinch the body of Ari. 
It's don't pinch me. Do, do you get what I'm saying? So Jesus is telling Saul, why are you persecuting me? In other words, we together, the body of Christ, we are Christ. We are an extension of him. So when he says, I'll build my church, it is us to do it. He's not going to come from heaven and start doing evangelism and uh, buying loudspeakers and buying land and building buildings. By the way, there's an opportunity we have got, incredible opportunity to buy three pieces of land. Some of you have heard from me. The rest you'll hear from me soon. Three like this. Three. Three pieces of land at a go before Christmas. Yeah. Altogether, we need 435 million shillings for the three. And all I need is 435 people who will each give one million. I'm like, this is my gift, Christmas gift to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. My wife and I, we have already started, we made our first deposit today, today. Yeah. Because for us, because this is important to us, we are not giving one million between us. I'll give mine, then I'll, we will give hers, then we will give for the people in our house, and, and we'll keep going. Because, because look, yeah, all the stuff we spend money on is temporary. Yeah, it's completely useless. Useless. So if you want to participate in that, just get in touch with your location pastor. If your location pastor is playing hard to catch, write me an email on info at worshipharvest.org. Info, info at worshipharvest.org and say, I cannot be left behind. I, I am I'm among the number who are going to give Jesus a Christmas gift. Buy land for the church. Different, three different locations. Ooh. I'm telling you, the next five years are going to be phenomenal. Phenomenal. We're going to have high speed multiplication, growth, expansion, blessing. People are going to have so much money. Some people are going to come to me and say, Yeah, I want to buy that one alone. Don't announce in church. That one, don't announce. Yeah, I am going to be one of them. I'll, I'll be telling myself, that one is yours. Yeah. Bishop Oyedepo of Winners Chapel, their church planted 10,000 churches this year. But, yeah, 5,000 last year. But, but him and his wife, just not church, their family, Bishop Oyedepo and the first lady they have believed God to build a thousand churches just the two of them and they are well on their way to doing it yeah. a thousand churches one couple my God Lord increase my faith 
Right now we have seven reasons why you should plant churches, but we are still on reason number one. Ephesians 4.16, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Every joint supplies. Every part does its share. Help me shout out to your neighbor in that house or hosting center or studio and tell them, do your part. So friends, our Father in heaven has a business. And the CEO is our elder brother, Jesus. And that business is building the church. Get into the family business. Get into the family business. If you call God your father, get into the family business. Amen. Don't, don't, don't shut me down. Don't, don't, don't shut me down. No, no, no. So the, the first reason, the first point why you should plant churches is it's what Jesus is doing. The second point, it's the most effective way to make disciples. Yeah. It's the most effective way. All the people, when I talk about church planting on Facebook and they say, but they told us to make disciples, then I ask them, where are the ones you're making? Yeah. Wisdom is justified by her children. Talk is cheap. You, you say... They didn't call us to plant churches. They called us to make disciples. Show me yours. Kevin, I've been seeing you've been posting about that book, Church Growth. I think his eyes were opened when he read that book, Church Growth by Bishop Doug. He's like, everyone should read this book. Do you get what I'm saying? Last Sunday I was preaching here. I showed you my, the different layers of 2 Timothy 2. Why has God enabled that for me? Because of the church. If I was out there being an architect only, I'm not saying don't be an architect, I wouldn't have that. Yeah. In fact, at this stage, God is good because he has given me seven layers, generations. We are here, Ari and I, we have cluster leaders, that's generation two. Location pastors, generation three. Court leaders, generation four. MC leaders, generation five. Huddle leaders, generation six. Huddle members, generation seven. May that happen to you too. Yes. May you stand there and have ten generations of disciples. Ten, ten! Oh, wow, wow, wow. Yeah, I'm excited. You, you can be not excited, but I'm excited. Are the possibilities of the, how we are going to change the world permanently. By the time we leave, some of us, by the time they put us in that box, they will not recognize the world the way it used to be. We are determined. And it's not because we are the most qualified, most spiritual, whatever. No. We are just the most available. Yeah. We wake up every day and say, Jesus. 
<laughs> Wake up, beat the devil down. Every day, every day, every day. Wake up early, start by reading your Bible and praying and bathing. Then having some coffee. And then you go, then the devil is like, oh no, he's moving. Yeah, that should be, that's you, that's you. Yeah. Permanent headache to hell. PhDH. Yeah. Do you know how, why is that possible? Because of the church. I would never be able to say that without the church, you people. Most effective way to make disciples. All these wonderful location pastors are making disciples because of the church. Pastor Harold is here. Pastor Sam. Pastor Stephen Florence. Some of these. Pastor Harold, they are full-time employees somewhere else. Pastor Sam runs Notilla. Pastor Jeremy. Nomad. Yeah, Dr. Okulo. Hospital. Yeah. But you know what? If, they, if all they were doing, if what Pastor Sam was doing, Sam and Anne, if all they were doing was run Notilla, they wouldn't be discipling the 250 people or they're about in worship harvest in Tebe. But because there is a church, they can disciple. Am I making sense? I, I want you to know the purpose of this sermon is I want you to go plant a church. Yeah. Or join those who are doing so. If, look, in your lifetime, you should plant at least one church. At least one. While you have your breath. So that while you're going under in the box, you've started the thing that cannot be stopped. Ah, yeah, 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 yes, yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. Let's read the King James Version. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. And then the other things come. Teach all nations. Discipleship is teaching. To disciple is to teach. When you say you're discipling someone, what does it mean? It means you're teaching them something. But it says that your teaching is not just words. You teach by example. You teach by words, instruction. So you teach by example. You teach by instruction. And you teach by experience. You take them into experiences where sometimes they may not have gone by themselves. That also includes assignment. You can teach by assignment. Yeah. Go to such and such a place and do such and such a thing for me, which they have never done before. 
and they start growing. Yeah. Have you ever been sent to heal the sick? It's a very interesting thing. You say, we are going these ends and today we are healing the sick. By yourself, you will not ever, 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 ever have considered that option. But because someone else has said, we are going. So you go with trembling legs and hands. You start quoting all the scriptures, strength, strengthen the weak hands, confirm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful hearted, the Lord will come and save you. And then verse, verse 4, 5, and my Isaiah 35 says, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. And the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. And the lame shall leap like a deer and the dumb shall sing for joy. Ha, ha, ha. Whoa. At once, you start seeing things you will never have seen if, if it was up to you to decide. Why am I making this point? To disciples to teach. Now, when you set up a church, you have set up a teaching center. The whole point of the existence of the church is to be a teaching center. It's a discipling center. Amen. The church is a spiritual home where those who are led to Christ are fed the word of God. They are cared for, they are counseled, they are commissioned, they are corrected to become more and more like Jesus. Amen. So what was the first point? It's what Jesus is doing. What's the second point? The most effective way to make disciples. If you ever want to stand up and not be ashamed when they ask where are your disciples, start a church. Yeah. Because whoever comes to your church will understand that the whole point of their coming is to be discipled. When people come to your office, you will try and disciple them while they are, but they are there for another purpose. They are there to design buildings, they are there to print books, they are there to teach children, they are there to do something else. So, the discipleship is a by the way, but in church, the discipleship is not a by the way. It's the thing. Everything else is a by the way. Ushering is a by the way. Being on a music team is a by the way. Sound, lighting, all that is a by the way. Uh, hallelujah. You are, you are understanding everything I'm saying. So it's the most effective way to make disciples. Point three. Why you should plant churches. Kingdom advancement. Kingdom to advance the kingdom of God in the most effective way. Now, this sounds like point two in some ways, but it's different. I want you to take it as different. We've been looking at this whole thing of Jesus. He came, huh? It says, and Jesus went about, oh, Galilee, uh-huh, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the kingdom of God, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. The next, the other verse in Matthew still. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages. Doing what? 
teaching in their synagogues, huh? preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. We said, you know, Jesus, he had a short, short time within which to accomplish an eternal purpose because Jesus had been around since the beginning. No, since before the beginning. And he's still around and he knows the end from the beginning. He's the Alpha and the Omega. And then he came and he knew, I'm going to have only 33 years. And of those 33, I'm only going to have three of ministry. And he had to make a strategic decision as to what is the most effective thing I can do to advance my father's kingdom. He didn't start a university. He didn't start an NGO. He didn't start a business. He didn't marry. He Give me more, give me more, give me more. Give me more of all the things that are important to you. He didn't start a hospital. He didn't buy land. Uh-huh. He didn't start a political party. He didn't march on Rome saying, down with Caesar, down with Caesar. No. <laughs> yeah. He didn't start a political organization to, to take down Caesar. What did he do instead? And this, by the way, is good wisdom for some of you. He taught, preached, healed, which is ministry. That's why he says in Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus, the purpose of the anointing, with the Holy Spirit and with power. Who went about doing what? Doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. We've seen that he was preaching, teaching, healing. I need three people quickly because sometimes people, the three of you come, Pastor Angela Rima, you can take your mask off as you come to this maskless zone. Okay? So he went about preaching, teaching, and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Okay, healing in the villages everywhere. What was he doing? Preaching, teaching, and healing. Okay? So let's combine preaching and teaching because they go well together. Yeah, as you can see. He went about preaching, teaching, and healing. And Acts 10.38 says, he went about doing good and healing. What does that make doing good? Here, here, here. That's why he finds a good thing. He went about doing good and healing. You guys can first sit temporarily. Are you getting the point? That's the purpose of the anointing. Now, he says he went about the synagogues teaching. If there were no synagogues, where would he be teaching? Do you know why I'm teaching right now? Because there is a church. Now, some of you, you want to do good like Jesus. 
preaching, teaching, and healing. But yeah. Yeah. our garage attendance for last week, for us, we keep records. We are like those people of Jesus who they say they fed 5,000. We are those kind of people. Our garage attendance for last week was 4,700 people. Okay? That means that I was teaching and preaching and bringing ministry of healing to 4,700 people. Does anyone have a guess how that happened? Do you want to try and do it without the church to see how many people you can preach and teach? Okay. So if you want to be like Jesus, when you have a limited window of opportunity in which to have eternal significance, your best bet is to plant a church so you start preaching, teaching, and healing. Yeah. Uh, you people time time who made time effective evangelism is the fourth point Acts 1.8 but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be what witnesses to me in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and the end of the earth they are witnesses to the resurrection of our Lord and the way they were effective in evangelism was by going out and planting churches. That's what made them effective. I just told you this past week, how many salvations? 249 salvations. Now, do you think that the way you see me here, Mose. You think I can lead 249 people to the Lord a week? I can't. But what I can do is lead the church into effective evangelism. Are, are you getting the point? Yeah. Do you know that those 249 people will not have got saved if the church wasn't doing evangelism? If it was up to everyone to decide as and when they want to go for evangelism. How many of you have, been, have gone for evangelism when you didn't feel like it? Yeah, like, you've gone when you're like, oh my God, are we, are we doing this? Like, our location pastor is not serious. We are going to do evangelism. People will be offended. I think sometimes you are even the location pastor. I remember the first time we went for evangelism in Mukono, in Chisoga. First year campus, main CU mission. I went, I thought we were going to do this Reinhard Bonky thing. Set up my loudspeakers, do a mega crusade. What? Oh, we get there deep in the night. Prayed, prayed. I was new to these things. Then we went to bed around one o'clock. At five a.m., they woke us up for prayer. It's like these people want to kill us. Prayed, prayed. 
then we had to go fetch water for the sisters to bathe. <laughs> then after the sisters had bathed, we had breakfast. put together too many correlations. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. <laughs> so we finish breakfast. In my mind, I think we are going to hang around until the evening when we do crusade. Hey! We finish breakfast. Next thing was training for door-to-door evangelism. which lasted exactly about 30 minutes. Next thing was door to door in pairs. That's the day I learned Romans 10.10, 10, John 3.16, and 2 Corinthians something. Three verses like this. <laughs> Evangelism. Door to door. Uganda. We had to go like nine o'clock, ten there. When people have just come from the gardens. Door to door until like 2 p.m. I was like, this is not what I signed up for. No. So we went and had a quick lunch. Then we went and set up for the crusade. <laughs> I was like, finally, we've reached the crusade. But then did the crusade, of course, the anointed men and women of God preaching. My role was just to do the wires, wires. Mm. Helping Patti. Patti was in charge of the equipment. So cable was what generator. Hey. And being around. Huh? Do you know the, do you know Omulebesi? That was me. Ah, then we finished the crusade. People have got saved in addition to the other ones. No. So everyone demobilized and went back to the base, except Patty, myself, and a couple of other people. Because you finished around seven. Yeah? Now you have to show that Jesus film and still make an altar call at the end of the Jesus film because you have to add it to the report. Then you finish the Jesus film around 9.30. Then you go back to base to catch, to do debriefing, debriefing, then dinner. Okay, no, dinner, debriefing, and then praying about the matters that came up in the debriefing. Then, then you go to bed around one o'clock. Repeat, 5 a.m. I was like, we are dead. Now, do you know how long this went on? Ten days. At the end, we went back to Makerere. I fell ill for a whole week. I couldn't leave my room. 
<laughs> this is a true story. Now, if I was not part of a body of believers called Main Christian Union, I would not have done that stuff. So you can't do The purpose of church is to do that. Amen. Effective evangelism. Look at what Paul did here. Acts 19, 9 to 10. But when some were hardened uh and did not believe, I can't hear you, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. And this continued for two years so that all who dwelt in Asia had the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Two years! How did it happen? Because the guy was, he set up a church where I was preaching daily. Luke 10. Luke 10. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. He sent them out two by two. Do you know why he was able to send them out? He wasn't finding random people there saying, you do want to preach? You come, come. Wama, you. Do you want? Okay. Uh-huh. Cut it. Now you go. Then he looks for another. No, they, it was an organized system of believers. That's what it says here. He appointed. Appointed. You are privileged to have been appointed by your location pastor, by your missional community leader, by your lead pastor, by the Lord Jesus himself to say, go. Wherever I'm going, you go first. He says, wherever he himself was about to go. It's an appointment. It's an appointment. You don't stumble into it. It's an appointment. Ah. Ooh. Now, should we end here for today? Seriously, like the time has fired. The other points will detail them, but I will tell them just highlight, highlight, eh? multiplication of gifts and ministries. Yeah. Yeah, he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some teach pastors for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. When you have one church, you can only equip one worship band. You can only equip one ushering team. You can only equip one church administrator. You can only equip one. When you have a thousand churches, those are a thousand worship teams, or a thousand Pastor Angelas, a thousand Timors, a thousand preachers. Everything multiplies. People find purpose. This business of being in churches where your whole role is to tithe and sit, it's crazy. It's so crazy. No wonder we are lagging behind. People have been sold the Kool-Aid 
I found a good church. We found a good church and settled down. No, 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 my friend, if you don't stir yourself up, you'll sink to the bottom. The point of church is not to settle down. Church is not a settlement. It's a movement. If it's not moving, it's probably dead. Yeah. Pastor Samchis, I was uh, a missional community leader here at Worship Pavisnalia. What was the name of the missional community? Legacy, which became LOL. Live out loud. Yeah. And your people have carried on. Tony Atida is uh, killing it. Now, then he went, they went to Entebbe. Now they are leading the church. Yeah. Pastor Harold was very comfortable in uh, Gayaza with his uh, deep, deep, deep pastor, Chris Subuga. Then he sent him. Now Kung is Kungu. Hey, are there any people from Kungu? the church wouldn't exist if Pastor Harold was still in Kayaza. But he can tell you by him, himself, he'll tell you firsthand, it's not easy. <laughs> it was so much easier to be a member in Gayaza than to lead in Kungu. Ah, uh, am I talking at all? That's multiplication. That's multiplication of gifts. Yeah. Pastor Wandera. Amina and, and Walter, they were comfortable in Gaza leading the worship team. <laughs> Walter with his guitar. Hey, hey, hey. You can't play them, their issues away. Pastor Angela and Emma, they were wonderful Katikati members leading what be worship, worship. Oh. Yes. How many members are there in Bukorobi now? 470. 417 members. She would not have the honor and privilege that heaven gives for you to lead 417 people. By the way, going on thousands and growing. If she was still stuck in Katikati there. Mm. Mm. Am I making sense? Pastor Chris and Lynette, they were here in Nadia. In fact, for them, they were the star. They were cutty cutty, then they came to Naria. Here, here, there used to be a catent. When it rained, you would have to stand on bricks. Then we built, then it was comfortable, then they moved. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. I can tell you a name. <laughs> Multiple Pastor Blesso. And precious Barbara, they were here doing youth experience. Why XP? Why XP? Saturday evenings. Then Makerere came calling. They can tell you leading YXP and leading a location. Those are not the 
no, 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 no. It's not like football improved. Those are like completely different games. So some of you here, you look anointed and appointed. First go play the church. Then you show us how anointed you are. Tell your neighbor, you're next. Yeah, Jose and Jali, Abambi, Jose and Jali, yeah. Our people, they okay in Gayaza. You know how Jose can talk slowly, slowly. Now Kawempe is taking off like a bullet. Nuts, nuts, follow me, nuts. Get a road. But now, our nuts. Azim, you guys. Katimusumba Pastor, Evangelist, Apostle, Prophet. Why? Church planting. I'm seeing many, many. Many apostles here. Many, many, many. Many. I see you. I see. At, at some of you, when I look in your direction, do you know you are the one? Yeah. Pastor Paul and Roxy. Kazaibai. Mukono, the city of God. Pastor Stephanos and Florence. Now, they are rocking. Kari Pastor Where are the other pastors? I know other people They are there hosting Anyway Time would fail me But I can tell you Ask these people What life is like What growth in Christ It looks like Leading a church Versus belonging to one It's very Church planting. Did I say I was giving a brief? That was the fifth point. <laughs> Multiplication of gifts and ministries. The biblical wisdom of distribution is that sixth point. Let's finish. So that next Sunday I do something else. The biblical wisdom of distribution. Revelation 1, 10 to 11. Give it to me. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last and what you see write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia to Ephesus, say Ephesus to Smyrna, say Smyrna to Pergamos, say Pergamos to Thyatira, say Thyatira to Sardis, Sardis, to Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Do you notice it doesn't say to the church in Chaliwajala, 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 and Chaliwajala? There are different churches in different places. 
there is some very demonic wisdom out there that there are enough churches, that there are too many churches. That's demonic. It's, I'm going to come next Sunday and dispute that fake, wildly devilish wisdom that God has planted in some of your minds. The church must be distributed. One in Nalia, one in Chaliwajala, one in Chira, Bulindo, Chiwologoma, Nabusukwe, Gayaza, Kasangati, Mpererwe, Chitukutwe, Najera, Chitichefumba, Butongole, Iganga, Jinja, Kamuli, Arua, Mbale. Hey! Paul's letters are not all to the Corinthians. First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, Third Corinthians, Fourth Corinthians, Fifth Corinthians, Sixth Corinthians, Seventh Corinthians, Eighth Corinthians, Ninth Corinthians. No, they are Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians, and Athenians. How did they happen? How did those happen? Because the church was distributed. It wasn't only Jerusalem, Jerusalem, no. Oh, Charlie Wajala, Charlie Wajala, no. Tell your neighbor, we are going. We are going to be distributed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Praise the name of Jesus. For he is worthy to be praised. Distribution. Winner's Chapel, the church of Bishop Oedepolite. Some few people here have been to that place. It's amazing. Like, there's this, there's a an auditorium that sits 50,000 people. Yeah. Just to give you contrast, this one in Nalia, before you put on the extension back there, sits 2,500. So you're looking at this times 20. 50,000. Yeah. Do you know a building you enter and you feel intimidated by the size now, in this 50,000 auditorium, auditorium, they have four services on Sunday. The first service is at 6 a.m. and it's packed to capacity. And they have overflow for all the services. Yeah. And they have between 200 and 250,000 people. Wow. I think some lights are designed to go off at midday regardless of what I'm doing. They have 250,000 people per, savi, per, per Sunday. But they planted 10,000 churches last year. Why? The harvest is plentiful. Don't be deceived by having 200,000 people 
Some people, the moment they, they, they get 200 people, they hire guards, there's a red carpet, there's security to reserve the parking. Don't touch the man of God. Don't touch the man of God. 200 like this. That you're going nowhere. No evangelism. No. It's all about tithing. And people who have 250,000 are planting churches at worship harvest. Who do you think you are? We. Eh? And Matthew, angels are not going to plant churches. It's the person seated in your chair going to plant a church. The redeemed Christian Church of God, RCCG, led by Pastor Enoch, E.A. Adeboye, a.k.a. Daddy Gio. In Nigeria alone, they have more than 35,000 churches. And then almost every... Their vision is to have a church. Their vision is twofold. To have a church within 10 minutes driving distance of every person in every city in the world, every developed city in the world, and five minutes walking distance of every person in every developing country in the world. In other words, if it takes you more than five minutes, there should be another RCCG church. And he was telling Bishop Doug Howard Mills that it's possible to have a church of 2,000 on one street and another church of 2,000 on the next street. Because that's how they are. They have, there is a church here, 2,000 members. And you cross the road on the other street, another RCCG church with 2,000 members. Here, people are quarreling with each other by coming within three, four kilometers. Those sinners who don't come to your church, there's a reason there's no traffic jam on Sunday morning. Worship harvest, we are going to drop all this stupidity. Well, there is, if there is a church in Naria, there should be one in Chewatule, one in Najera, one in Buwate, one in Kungu, one in Naguru, one in Logogo, one in Nakawa, like that. Don't you see, why don't we learn from the Anglican church? Every village, like here, Naria, there is one. Then you cross over there, there is one. Even the Catholic Church. I designed the one of Naria here, St. Gonzaga, Gonzaga. Do you know where these ones came from? Chiwatule. Now there is one in Namugongo. Then there is one in uh, Chichi. Just here, here, in Chirekakamoli. Uh, That's why there are Catholics everywhere. Because there are churches everywhere. Amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor we're going to do it. The biblical wisdom of distribution. 
must be embraced. The last, I was so tempted to bring this point as the first, but I felt the Holy Spirit telling me it makes the most sense, but I want you to bring it last when even some people have switched off. Yeah. I don't know why. But it's to match the surge. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. In 1800, there were one billion people on earth, one. That's 200 years ago. If you want 220. Now there are 7.5 billion people. We've gone from 1 billion to 7.5 billion in only 200 years. Wow. Kakati. Have we matched that population surge with a sufficient number of churches to serve those people? No. So, what happens when you're using salt to preserve meat and you assign, say, one kilogram of salt for 100 kilograms of meat? Okay? And then you increase the meat from 100 kilograms to 750 kilograms, but you only double the amount of salt. All the salt remains the same. What starts happening to the meat? It goes bad. It starts rotting. The rot and evil you see in the world today is, has nothing to do with the devil. It's simply mathematics. If you have ever cooked meat for a lumbe, hmm? you know those big saucepans eh? where there is mob soup and you get your casalt, which you usually put in your kabif strengthener off at home, B3. Like one spoonful. Eh? And you take that and you put it in the what? In the paper-like sofria full of boiling meat. Mm. Then they ask you, Oh, what do you want is that meat going to be salty at all? No. They will just say, whatever salt you are using is useless. It, the salt is not useless. It's just not enough. You see, in your room, there is a bulb, a light bulb. You know a light bulb? When you switch it on, especially when you wake up in the morning and you don't want to go for that 5 a.m. prayer, it seems too bright, Right? You put it on. Kendeza. Now, if you, because that thing is so bright for you, if you take that bulb to light up Nambole Stadium for a football match, how much of the ball will the players be seeing if they are playing at night? Is the, is, the, is the bulb the problem? It's just not enough. 
the darkness prevailing on earth today is because there is just not enough light. That's all. It has nothing to do. The devil, the devil, Hollywood, America, Republicans, Democrats, say, you what? No. Amen. Are you ready to plant churches? Today we are going to have a short format ending. I'm going to invite my team of enders to come now and we finish. As I tell you some of this important information. Here is what you may not have known. Kampala is the fastest growing city in Africa. These are not safety statistics. These are real researched statistics. In Kampala, Ewamwen, is the fastest growing city in Africa. Yeah. By 2100, this beloved city of yours will have 40 million people. 40 million. By 2050, Uganda will be 100 million people. That's a third of the population of the United States. Uganda, 100 ma by 2050. That's in the next 30 years. By 2100, Kampala will be 40 million. It will be the 16th most popular city in the world. And to give you context about what will be happening in the neighborhood, Nairobi will be the 12th most populous one with, I think, about 49 million. Khartoum will be the fifth most popular city in the world. Dar es Salaam will be the third most popular city in the world. Kinshasa will be the second most popular city in the world. Lagos will be the first. Lagos already has 22 million people now. By then it will be clocking 100 million. And then you're telling us there are too many churches? There are not even enough now. How about then? By 2050, right now, one out of every seven people is African. By 2050, it will be one out of every four people will be African. And by 2100, it will be almost be one to one. There will be as many Africans as the rest of the world combined. According to population growth statistics. Which means that for you as an African, this thing of planting churches is not about you and your small village. It's about global Christianity. We are, God has given us the privilege and the responsibility give direction to what happens to the global church in the next 80 years. It's now in our lap. That's the same way those Europeans, the David Livingstones, determined what happened when they came here. It's now our turn. And most of us are asleep. We don't even know it's our turn. Amen. It's time to wake up, church. I can hear the sound of a new generation. 
Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.